Welcome Clanline listeners to the History Show. Today I have in studio an old friend of mine, colleague and a man who's well known around town, Dave Mack. And for anybody in Clannacilty, they probably all know Dave McCarthy's record with Cork footballers. There might be some people listening from further afield or abroad who, who doesn't realise that down here in Clannacilty we're very fortunate not only to have a gentleman but a man who played and won in All-Ireland with Cork in 1973 and won two uh, Munster titles. So Dave, welcome. It's lovely to have okay. you on the show. Kieran has asked me to, de- well, to give some breakdown of my my years playing and involvement with Gaelic football. But I started playing Gaelic football, I suppose, in the end of the 1950s. I would have been about eight or nine or ten years of age at the time. And when I began to think about this interview, I, I was amazed to think that the only sports in the town at the time were Gaelic games, hurling and football, and coursing. Now, there was some sports, there was a small athletic club, but there was no, to my horror, there was no games for girls, Not nothing at all. And Dave, can I ask you, yeah. um, was that because the culture here, or was it because of the ban that you couldn't play other sports? Well, I suppose the ban would have made a difference all right, because I knew people older than me that were suspended for six months because they were seen at a rugby dance down below in Chidani. Whoa. So that, no, some of them played and got away with it, but there was no, you were frowned on here at the early stage if you played rugby. So those that chanced their arm and played rugby played it outside the county and played it maybe in Bandon. Oh, what a, what a difference. Yeah. And you mentioned yeah. as well that there wasn't much sport for girls. I mean, no, girls' sport now has really exploded in Just the last decade. Just to my decade, horror really. in thinking now, you know, about this interview to say yeah. nothing at all. Wow. And well, I was involved later on. In a woman asked me and another guard that would would she mind setting up a camogie club? Uh, this would have been maybe in about the nineteen mid nineteen seventies early eighties, which we did, and we set up a camogie team here. And I was told two games on one of the one of the girls got a cut over her eye, and one of the I was told that there was no insurance cover for the girls. <laughs> And that the, if there was a claim, the claim would be taken on the mentors. So <laughs> I quickly absconded and so did the other two mentors. So it was a frightening lesson. Wow, that's amazing. You know, it was an amazing... I was frightened by yeah. it. So it, that was the one thing. Now, we, uh, thinking again and looking back, our whole life at that early stage was going down to the old J pitch, as we know, down by the bay... Uh, we would go there regardless of whether the teacher came along or not after school, but we would go down there and spend our time. So it was a safe place. Almost every young lad in the school played. It was a rare thing that somebody didn't kick a ball or puck the hurley ball. And Dave, uh, can I actually yeah. ask you a little bit about that? Because, you know, growing up now, fellas playing GAA football hurling, it's like a full-time job and they're obsessed with weights for yeah. good or for bad yeah. and diet and... What was it like to train and play in those days? Can you give some of our maybe I, I younger can, yeah, listeners I uh, an idea? No, that time, uh, the younger we were, the training was just matches and maybe a run around the field. But up on the adult stage, I'd say six days a week I would tug out. Whether if it was playing junior hurling for Clannacilty or playing senior football for Clannacilty or playing for Cork, you still had to make the commitment because I was always afraid that they would say, you know, he's too good to, to play for us, he'll go and play with Cork. And 
very often I might play two matches a week, but any other day I would go down to the field and I would take mainly a football and run around, kick the ball up in the air. People thought I was crazy. But what I was doing really, because I'm, I'm not over six foot and, you know, I was playing midfield and you needed to have good muscles in the back of your legs. So I used to train myself jumping up in the air and I loved it. And I hate to hear present day footballers now talking about we trained hard. I hate that. I, I, and all the fellows that play with me, we love playing. There was never anyone, you never had to say to somebody, look, no drinking or not too many drinks. It just did not happen. And Dave, was there more an emphasis on skill in those days because people weren't as obsessed with weights and, yeah, we, and other things? Or, yeah. or is that maybe just with looking back at rose-tinted glasses? What, what was it? Well, like? I'll tell you now, um, it, it was, we were more agile and more skilled. And we didn't do weights but I, always, I knew at the, in my early 20s, even though I was 13 stone and I worked in the buildings in New York and I thought I could go through the wall. Mm. But really, it, my muscle wasn't hard enough. For, I, I'd be blown out of it. Mm. And it was only until I was about 27 that gradually I got, you know, my muscles hardened mm. up. And they hardened up naturally through, yeah. uh, through, you know, constant training and kicking football and running. Mm. And, you know, very often we all had injuries and I used to have ankle injuries. And I, I heard somebody say the best treatment for ankle injuries is the salt water. And before I ever went up training, maybe two or three times a week in Cork, I would run through the salt water in Inchidani, you know, ankle high. And I could swear by it because right. I would see other fellows above and they winding bandages around their ankles. But I'll tell you one of the training sessions that I remember... We were sprinting in Dublin at half past seven in the morning for the Sigerson, you know, the university championship, which was a big deal. And we were sprinting over hurdles. And I also remember, you know, the, 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 the college... They, like, there was a huge emphasis put into being fit, being skilled, but not being... not muscle building. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm glad I played it. Gaelic football especially, I'm glad I played it then and not now because I, I don't think I would like the present day game because it lacks skill, it's most occasions it's boring and it's a shame that people spend so much time training and yet the, what they produce is awful. And Dave, what kind of skill has gone out of the game do you think? Well, this catching skill has gone, the kicking skill, I mean... If you, I, I remember the likes of, I don't mention the name, Jimmy Barry Murphy and Ray Cummins and these fellows. If you were out the field and you won a ball, you always saw these fellows running to the side or going either way. And what you would try to do was pick them out with a long kick in. And it was the way we played. And they were ex exceptionally good. And it was the way most teams played. Not all teams, but that was the way. And these fellows made themselves available every time you got the ball, instead of passing it back and passing it forward and passing it this way. Mm -hmm. And it was a much, much more interesting game. Wow, Dave, that's much fantastic. Better. So you were in UCD? I was in UCD, yeah. What were you studying, Dave? I did agricultural science there. I always, my, my uncle, who Humphrey O'Neill, worked in the commercial side of, of agriculture. And I always thought... It was a facet that, you know, it would. That's the kind of outlook I had. That yes. that's the place I would go. You yeah, know. Yeah. And did you expect to come back to Clonakilty, or did something no, bring you home? No, I used I used travel every summer. I, you know, from the time I was nineteen, 
first year I went to England and worked in an ice cream factory and worked in a pub at night time. Second year then, uh, when I wasn't too bad at the football and hurling, a Donegal student asked me would I go to New York and um, play for Donegal outside. Hmm. And no, you didn't get paid, but Donegal would set you up in a union uh, labour job, which was tough going. Mm -hmm. And you'd get the opportunity to work. And so I played football for New, in New York for Donegal. And I remember the car club out there were, were complaining. So I said to them, look, I'll play hurling for you. Mm. So I arrived up the first day and I was a sub. Why? Because anyone from West Cork had no tradition of playing hurling. Oh. So there was a, a Watford man, who was Jimmy French, who was in charge of the Watford hurling team. He asked me would I play for Watford. I said I would, of course, Jimmy. And when I started playing midfield for Watford, the Cork fellas said, oh my God. <laughs> but I, I told him in no uncertain terms where to get off, yeah, you know. Yeah. But... Um, I, what I would say, you know, about the Gaelic, I, my, the opportunities I had, my time working away, it paid for my college, my four years. Mm -hmm. And when I finished up in 73, I had £3,000 left over. And I was thinking at the time I could have bought 30 acres of land. <laughs> but it was just... And I had great experiences in the stage, you know. Were you tempted to stay there, Dave? I, I wasn't. Yeah. I'll tell you, I found it... I found the people that were involved with the GA all through my life brilliant, mm -hmm. but it was very artificial and dangerous. New York mm -hmm. was a dangerous place that time. Really, yeah. And Dave, just uh, again, I'm yeah. fascinated. I'm sure yeah. listeners would be fascinated. The GA in New York. I mean, how big is it? You talk about all these county teams. Was it massive? Well, I'll tell you, I never ever got paid for playing, which and I wouldn't accept it. But it was like a coming together of all the families. All their wives, all their children. You got to know the whole. It was intense. I loved it. I thought it was the nearest thing to, you know, well, you couldn't call it heaven. But I thought every one of them were involved. Mm -hmm. And it was great. And they, you know, you went training with them. You met, you know, you met him and I met him afterwards too. And I kept up the friendship. And it was just un amazing. And were most of these guys who were running over there for the summer already no, people there permanently? No, these were people that were there permanently. Now, the year, the year I went out there first, the, um, in 1973, the uh, Railway Cup wanted to bring in some new, instead of the provinces, you know, they felt it was fake. So they brought in the universities. And, of course, from UCC, from Queen's and everything else. And we were on the university team and we won it out. But on that university team that won it out, there was five of them playing for Donegal. <laughs> now, all the others then would have been locals and they would have stayed, and most of them would, and they, they were there permanently. Mm -hmm. And we'd stay for the summer and play all the matches. And you'd come off the field with your jersey, you could squeeze the sweat out of it. Mm -hmm. And the same with your togs. And it was intense. And very often you had fellas coming out from inter-county players coming out and I mean it was do or die stuff mm. it was like a dirt bowl but it was oh it was just amazing big crowds Dave? about I suppose you could get up to a thousand two thousand people there for a small area mm. and of course the bar was packed uh, but people went there to meet and just it, they were lonely um, any of them that stayed out there I often felt 
that their minds were at home and their bodies were in New York, you know? I often wonder about that because they go on about America, the great place to emigrate and things like that. But how great was it, Dave, in your experience? Well, I felt from the point of view of earning money, I was getting $7.10 an hour in 1969, 1970. And there were people out there who were there for 30 years who hadn't the same opportunity. Now, you had to work very hard. Mm-hmm. You, you, like, it was a young man's game because you, the sweat would be pouring off you. But other than that, other than the family connection with the teams and the players, I did not like it. If I often felt if I got a million dollars and I was told I was going to live in New York for the rest of my life, I wouldn't. Oh. Now, I know it has changed since, but I found it, you know, the, the thing they saying to you, you know, have a, have a nice day. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it didn't mean very much. Yeah. And I, I felt myself that we, had a, we have a culture here and a history here that's very hard to beat. And I could see it in those people that were staying out there long term, how lonely mm-hmm. some of them were, especially when they had a drink too many. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'll tell you another story which was amazing. I, the Cork team, when we won in 1973, we toured, we went to San Francisco and Los Angeles, and a second team went out along, you know, so that there'd be matches. But the second team that went out, they were diehards, and they started training. You had Sean O'Neill of Down and Donny Sullivan, and here we were thinking we were going to have a nice holiday. <laughs> and here, the, and so we had to train, and the matches we played in San Francisco were rough. And, of course, the crowd loved it. And then we moved to Los Angeles and we had another rough-and-tumble game there. And I came, the programme, everyone's name was on the programme and where you were from. And I came off injured in the second game in Los Angeles. And I was lying on the ground. My knee had, had been giving me trouble. And this big, tall man, I looked up and he said, Are you McCarthy from Clannacilty? I said, I am. And... Uh, I, I was in pain. And he said to me, are you the McCarthy that evicted our family, the Kingstons, in the, ni- in the 1880s from Orlando out in Rossmore? I said, come on. I said, the McCarthy must be one of the most common names in Ireland. And I said, we were never farmers. But when I came home, I got Dan Leary's book on the Rossmore history district. And lo and behold, there I read a chapter where um, 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 the farmer from Clannacilty, Carl McCarthy, came out and took over the land where the Kingsons were evicted from. The only saving grace for me, I suppose, was that the parish priest was a McCarthy and I was reading, he was trying to do his utmost to try and stop the eviction. I remember, again, when you know you told me that I'd, I'd be given the interview, I remember one incident when I was in fifth year a few of us were playing on both teams and the food, as you probably know, in boarding schools wasn't great. Very often when we'd be sitting down at the table, you would have some fella shouting, oh! And of course what it was, was he'd have something that he couldn't eat, maybe meat gone off oh. and you you daren't put the place back empty. So it was thrown underneath the table and <laughs> some fella got it. Anyway, they, the brothers had a meeting and they felt that I and another lad from Kilmac Thomas weren't putting it in on the hurling and football. There was just two or three of us maybe mm-hmm. playing. And they had a meeting, and the, one of the head brothers came down to me, and the decision they made, he told me afterwards, was that I was going to be expelled. They felt I wasn't putting it in. <laughs> I know. Expelled for not training expelled well enough. Expelled for <laughs> not 
putting it in, they yes. felt I wasn't putting it in mm. when I was representing the college. Mm. So, I, so the question was, did I want to represent the college to the best of my ability? And I said, I did. And they said, why were you not doing it on the field of play? Well, I said, brother, I said, I have groin problem. And I said, I'm so weak. I said, because you're, there's only two or three of us expected to play on both teams. And the food we're getting here isn't the greatest. Very brave view, Dave, yeah, for a 17-year-old. Well, well, I just felt, you know, because uh, that, you know, here was a situation mm. where I was being accused of not putting it in. So because of that, anyone who was representing the college every night got a small bottle of milk and two Marietta biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the key to all good oh, football it was, just, oh. it was just amazing, you know. And Dave, um, just before we leave America, because that, uh, that's yeah. fascinating our listeners and, and ties in yeah. with the Gaelic football as well. Just two two observations. First of all, you, you, you were there at 69, 70. Did you notice anything about you know the segregation, the racial tensions there? Or were you kind of in a bubble that was away from all of that? I'll tell you what what I I I I, I did. I did. I, I I did. And on one Labour, I, I, the, the Irish that were there full time were a little bit anti, anti colour, and you'd get sucked in on it. But on one job down in the Bronx, I was the only white person, and I used to get off the subway in the Bronx, and and it was a rough area, the southern Bronx, and walk down in the mornings, and go into the job. And there'd be four or five black fellows there. Now they were nice. When they heard I was Irish, and they talking about the Guinness, mm-hmm. and they felt the Guinness was giving them, you know, Strength, the, uh, yeah. a, a thump, you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. in marital relations or whatever <laughs> in the corner. So I didn't say anything about yeah. that. But there was a prison outbreak in New York State in Attica, and those that were shot were blacks. Mm-hmm. And when I came down after that, the following week. I was I was being called whitey mm. but I said nothing because really I was defense I was defenseless mm. I I really I was afraid just a little bit mm. now after the week when I made no comment we were I thankfully things eased off mm. and and about him I said it to the union boss and he took me out of it mm. now um now they knew as well on that job that I was getting twice their wage. God. But I was working twice, if not three times, as hard. Mm, mm. You know, the lorry loads or the big trucks of concrete were coming in and we were wheelbarrowing it in because mm. a night wheelbarrow, two or three, mm. to every one of their... Now, they were nice. Yeah. They were nice. What I was always aware of was that I wouldn't loiter or stop and look at windows, that I'd keep moving. Yeah. Whether it was getting off the subway... Because it, it was New York was dangerous that yeah. time. They say it was very dangerous up to the mid nineties. Was it? Was it? Well, would I, you I, have I, to no, look over my, your shoulder. I haven't been back there since about nineteen seventy seven, but my daughters have been there, and I hear from everyone that it is safe, mm-hmm. thanks to Mayor Giuliani. Yes, but yes. that time it was dangerous, mm-hmm. and um, it was you know that you kept moving. Yeah, and, yeah I get and you. that you were aware of. Yeah, yeah. and Dave, um, let's bring it back to the football. So. Uh, you were away in New York for these few summers, so how did that impact upon your intercounty? Were you not missing out on playing I, for your club? I was. I never played. I, 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 I have an All-Ireland minor medal in 1967, but then I, I never played under 21. 
and I played in with got with one stone in County Mead in the Mead Championship for a year that I was there. And when the school, you know, when it, yeah. the year was over, off I went again. And then with UCD, the games were fixed, the college games were fixed, and the championship games were fixed That for the summer, that there was a lull, a break in it, and off off we went, you know. So those, I'm sure my father would have loved to see me come back, but the adventure and the fun and everything else, and the, I mean, the lure of the matches in New York was, was just amazing. And were you thinking intercounty at that stage? I or? wasn't, no, no. no. I'll tell you what happened was, uh, because we, it, it happened, we were, in, we were playing Sigerson with UCD in Cork in 1972, and um, I was playing midfield for UCD. And I suppose they probably, I would maybe just coming back to Clonakilty maybe that year as well, but and they were probably just aware. So I started with the Cork Juniors, and we won the Munster final, and then I was co-opted in 1972 onto the senior team. So I played with the Cork Seniors from 1972 for eight years until 1979. And let me let me bring you back to that 73, that famous year yeah. when Cork won yeah. their All-Ireland. Yeah. What was that like to be part of that team? Well, biggest regret is because we had such a very, very good team. We should have done, you know, one, maybe one or two more. But look, I still enjoyed. Like We had great matches from 73, 74, 70. We had a great team. But um, it, you see, 73 was the first time in 28 years. Mm-hmm. Just another bit of history, and I'm not blowing my top. My uncle, Humphrey O'Neill, was on the last Cork team playing centre-forward in 1945 that won the last All-Ireland. And because there was such a gap, there was such celebration in the county that wherever you went, people were giving fellas drink and whiskey and you had to turn up at every... No, that's not to say that we overdid it. No. But you were in the way of all of these things and it went on for you can imagine, like 28 years. Yeah. For the it went on for a lot. Now we still had a very, very good team. And did you get to train much in those days at inter-county level? Did we get to train, is it? Yeah. Oh, we did. We would train during the summer sea. Every one of them are fit. Like you did your like you did your own training first at home. That was that was always you'd always have to do that, whether it was on your own or not. And um, then you would go up maybe two two nights or three nights a week and then play your game at the weekend. And I mean you had some lads coming up, Kevin Jar Sullivan and Bernie O'Neill were coming up from Edrigal. And um, at that time what we were getting was a, no, the Cork County Board hadn't money, but what we were getting was a glass of milk and a sandwich. And of course, Kevin better than a glass of milk and two Mariettas. Yeah, yeah. So, Kevin Jer kicked up and Bernie O'Neill because they'd leave they had to leave home at four o'clock to be up in time. And you had two lads from Bantry, Donald Hunt and uh, and uh, Declan Barron, and they said it wasn't good enough. No, eventually they gave us a, a slap up meal underneath the, the new stand above, but you couldn't eat it; it was burnt. Mm. And. Um, we went up recently, well, a few years ago, for the 40th anniversary, 2013. We were asked to go up before a, 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 a county final, Castlehaven. We were up. So we were introduced to the crowd, and in we went. And somebody said, lads, come on down under the stand. There's a bite to eat and what have you. <laughs> so down we went. And it was the same old crack. Cardboard cups with tea in them. 
bourbon black puddings if you wanted them. And um, Kevin Ger, I heard Kevin Ger saying in the background, well, he said, nothing has ever changed, you know. <laughs> and tell me, Dave, was this, to best your best knowledge, happening all around the county, or were the Kerrys and Dublin's no, taking no, care of better? No, I remember one time when the Victoria Hotel in Cork was going, both teams ended up having a meal there. And Jack Ballard was chairman at the time, and Jack was a meat, he was an abattoir in Kinsale. And we all came up and we were seated and we got chicken and chips. The Kerry lads came in and they got fine big steaks mm. and everything else to go with it. Mm. And I went over to Jack Barrett and Jack, I said, you can see why they're winning more trophies than we are. I said, you should be ashamed of yourself. I said, what we got there were hen laying hens <laughs> that were gone past their time, you know, 12 or 13 months, they were gassed. I said, that's what we got. And uh, Dave, was it unusual for someone like you to speak up or did people generally keep quiet and say, oh, sure, I'm happy to be playing for Cork, I better not say anything? Well, I mean, there was a lot of give and take. And there was always a sort of a tension between the city lads and the country lads. Mm -hmm. And the country lads, we, we, I would, we would feel sometimes that the city lads, if Nemo won it, you know, that every one of their team players would get it. No, they were good players. Or the, that time, in my time, the Nemo's, the Bars, St. Michael's were winning the county. And they'd have a selector. And there was that kind of attention that some of the country lads, because their clubs weren't winning, they weren't getting mm -hmm. the same shakedown as... And I, I felt that. Mm -hmm. I felt that. And you, you, we would say it. Now, some of the city lads mightn't forgive you for saying it. But you'd feel, because you went out there and gave your be very best, mm. that you said you could feel that I could go back in all the Munster finals of my eight years playing, in my time. We only won two Munster finals and won All-Ireland. And of the other six that we lost, I could go back in every game. Not that I, I, I remember, you know, I was saying to you that I remember, but I could go back in every game and see the reason why. And the reason why was that Kerry would manage to pick out the weak link or the weak links on the team and use that side to go through. Now, I've nothing against them because they did their best. Everyone did their best. But we were just that much away from dominating Kerry that time, you know. And Dave, do you think it, some of it was down to the disunity between the county and city guys that you didn't no, quite have the No, we, we bonded very much all the time. But we had a crib with the selectors, mm -hmm. you know. Let's say, I remember the, the bar selector, I said to him one time, look, why don't you give... I remember one lad, Tom Creedon. He was a, from Macomb, great centre-back. And in 1976, he gave a powerful display. The bars won the county that year. In came their selector. What did they do? They put a, a player from the bars the following year in a pivot place, centre-back, and put, all, put, put Tom Creedon wing-back or corner-back, which wasn't his place. Mm. And that's the way it was done. Yeah. No, it's not a big issue. Mm. But if I were to ask, why didn't we win more? I would say if it was down to mm. scrutiny and giving fellows more, ch you know, yeah. other lads chances, we would have maybe... You see, Cork number one, so the hurling was always number one. I mean, I played junior hurling here, but football was, you know, because I was much better with it. 
But we always felt the footballers, both City and ourselves. I mean, if you take the dual players, Jimmy Barry Murphy played football first. Ray Cummins played football first. Mm -hmm. Dennis Collin played football first. Brian Murphy of Nemo played football first. You know? Yeah. And of course, here were four or five players that were co-opted onto the hurling and they were expected to play the two. And we know now it's, it's an it's impossible task nowadays. Did the hurlers get treated any differently? Uh, no, Dave? no. When, 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 when that episode of you know, Kevin Gerrard talking about getting the meal, yeah. the hurlers then wanted it. But most of the hurling lads were from the city. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had Charlie McCarthy, you had Con Roach you know, and all these fellas. They were all from the city. I mean, so they wanted their... They was trained before us. Yes. No, we trained harder. Yeah. But they had great skill, you know. They were... The hurlers would... I, I was always amazed at them. They were always able to figure out where the ball was going to drop, you know. Mm -hmm. They were so good. Wow. So they didn't have to be as fit as we were, you know. And Dave, after 73, what was it like locally for you? Uh, you know, the people come up and patch in the back? Oh, were you no. a local hero? No, no, no. Or I wouldn't allow it. Mm. If somebody, I, 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 if somebody said, you know, no, and to be fair to people, they didn't do it, you know, they didn't. They might introduce you, saying, you know, that you won an All Ireland medal, and they might be proud to say that you were from Clonakilty, you know. Yeah. But th there was no, no, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay. And um, I remember when Cork won the double, there was a player. I was invited up to the function, and there was one player. And people were going up and buying him drink and putting him up. And I went up and said, "Look, I'm telling you now because, you know, if you if you indulge in if you know it's going to affect you afterwards." And he said, "No, look, the night is long." I said, "I'm telling you, tell him, look, thanks very much, mm -hmm. but that you don't want it." Are you the only living Clannacilty man to have uh, a senior All Ireland medal? I am, but there were. In 1945, there were five others, you know. Okay, yes, I mean, yeah. you can see where the tradition came from at yeah. Kilty. Yeah, yeah. There were five other players who represented okay. Clannacilty. Yeah, yeah. And I had an, another uncle, uh, besides Humphrey, who won, who won a junior on Ireland hurling. So that when, I, when you introduced, you know, John McCarthy yeah. at the beginning, I have, you know, no doubt in saying that the, whatever talent I got, I inherited from my mother's side, you know. <laughs> Dave, it's been a yeah, pleasure talking right. to you. Okay, Here I am talking to Dave Mack, as he's affectionately known in these parts, uh, all Ireland winner in 1973, and adventure by the sounds of it. Dave, it's been a pleasure. Thanks <laughs> okay, a million. Thanks, right, Kieran. That's fine.